0: Blog
1: Talk Radio Live from Washington, DC, It's quintessential listening. Poetry online radio. Now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Michael Anthony Ingram, and my very special guest tonight is Jackie Oldham. Jackie, are you with me? Yes, I am. I'm so glad that you're with me tonight, Jackie. It makes me feel good inside. I'm so pleased to be here. Thank you. (laughs) Great, great. Well, let me ask this question as we begin this poetic journey together. What Mm -hmm. is poetry? What is poetry?
2: Poetry is, to me, a... Way of speaking truth and telling being a witness to this world of ours. And that is quite a change from what I used to define it as. I used to talk about it painting pictures uh okay. verbally. But I think it's, it, it can be many things, but right now, for me, it is about speaking truth and witnessing the meaning of this world we live in. Well, what made you make that shift in terms of your definition? I believe it has a lot to do with what we've experienced this past year between the pandemic and the elections and the real assault on truth that seems to be popping up all over the place. Um, And it seems that a lot of the poems I have written recently um, are about things that are happening in today's world that are defining how, how our human life uh, is defined and has meaning,
3: and it'll all become right, clear all right.
1: with
2: with the first three poems I read. <laughs> all right,
1: all right, I like it very much. Well, but Thank then again, you. so when you think about poetry, why is it
2: important? Why is it important right now? It is important right now because there are so many people grappling with uh, different facets of human life Uh, we have people who are hurting because they've lost loved ones to this pandemic we have people who are fearful for our democracy we have people who are grappling with hunger and just being able to survive in this this world that we're in, and those kinds of issues have uh been a large <clears throat> part of poetry throughout the history of poetry um, mm-hmm. there's you know also uh people speaking out about uh the physical world and how important that is um and and so there's room for a lot of our reality to be explored all
1: right as you think about your work currently or, or as you in your work in general what are some of the mm-hmm.
2: predominant themes what are some of the themes um definitely um politics and current events is one major theme. Uh, I have also been exploring um, different forms of poetry uh, because I have joined several poetry groups uh, over the past year. So I have uh, played with um, haiku a little bit, with Um, acrostic poems a little bit and I guess I would say that primarily I am a narrative poet because events uh, and family history and world history, all of those kinds of stories come to play in my work All right, well please share one of your poems All right Um, This is actually going to be a grouping of three poems, um, but I will stop after each one. These are three political-slash-current-event poems, and um, two of the three are ones that have recently been published, um, and I'll begin with this first one, which appeared in Oddball magazine in September of 2020. The title is Golem Emet. On June 16, 2015, America birthed its Golem Emet when on an escalator he descended, announcing his bid to be its president. Did America know in that moment what evil it unleashed Golem Emet hated the righteous ones. He spat upon their virtues, humility, hard work, sacrifice, compassion, empathy, bravery, truth. Golem Emet fumed and pouted, seeking devotion and adoration. His followers, sheep, anointed him. One by one, Golem Amet destroyed the righteous ones, most from his own generation, who had suffered and fought unjust wars and inequality, conquered their own human frailties to bring truth, justice, and freedom to their land. From their deathbeds they called him out. They forbade him from their funerals. Still he gloated. Still, he pouted and fumed. As a great sickness descended on the people and the land, he exclaimed, I alone can fix it, but I am not responsible. Millions contracted the sickness, and hundreds of thousands died. On Rosh Hashanah, the most beloved saint for justice died from cancer. Thousands paid homage to her on the steps of the house of justice. Thousands more wept and gnarled their fingers to the bone, crying, Who can save us now? Others saw the sign of hope the day of her passing a double blessing, for she was anointed a righteous one of God. The gauntlet is now in our hands. Make the golem emet a golem met once more. On November 3rd, 2020, vote him out. Make the golem a met no more. Thank you. Extremely powerful. Thank you. Extremely powerful. I can could, I could see
1: it. And I remember it.
2: Yes. Wow. Yes. And uh, that was... You know, during the election period, and um, we had just lost uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And yes. uh, I had to write that poem to process my feelings at that point. And I came up with the golem. I knew about the golem from uh, Jewish folklore, but in the writing yes. of this poem, I... I. Uh, Did some research, so that's uh, how that poem came about. Beautiful.
3: Please share the next
1: in the series. Please share the next. Okay.
2: The second poem is also quite current because we are in the midst of uh, the second impeachment trial And uh, this second poem is about the aftermath of the Capitol insurrection a month ago. The title is, I Don't Want to Play the Capitol Edition of Clue. And it also appears in Oddball Magazine um, on January 25th, 2021. I don't want to play the capital edition of Clue. Too many bodies strewn about. Too many rooms to comb through. Too many pieces of evidence splattered over the airwaves, hidden in plain sight like searching for Waldo in a sea of MAGA hats. Uniforms, military and police. Good old boys and lunatics. Men in black and aliens and members of Congress dressed to kill a bill certifying that the president-elect was elected by and for the people. Elected by the people, except for this motley crew dressed like blazing saddles extras signing up for Hedley Lamar's army of thugs, mugs, imbeciles, and traitors. The movie ended with cast and crew spilling out of the set, riding off into the sunset, and having a farewell beer. But the Capitol insurrection is not some comedic set. Though it covers the same entirety of American history, the outcome is anyone's guess. Thank you. I love the reference to
1: Blazing Saddles. <laughs> One of my all-time favorite films.
0: Jackie. Yes, indeed. Mine,
1: too. <laughs> I knew I liked you, Jackie. I knew I liked you. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Got to have the humor
1: to deal with this stuff.
0: <laughs>
1: yes, we do. And hope, And it's funny how poetry can bring about humor as well.
0: So yes, I think that is so That is so important.
1: Now, all great writers, and I'm including Mm -hmm. you in that number, Mm -hmm. have great writing influences. Who are Mm -hmm. some of yours, and what makes them great in your eyes?
2: Wow. Well, among the great writers I have read are... uh, actually not necessarily poets but uh novelists as well uh the works of Hermann Hesse um were among my younger influences in writing overall um being able to express the the angst and existential questions of living um but I also have enjoyed the works of e. e cummings um and uh I have explored older poets, especially african American poets like uh county cullen uh for whom I did a paper way back when in in college um mm-hmm. and I find that I am today um exploring more uh African American poetry I recently received as a Christmas gift um a the collection of uh African American poetry spanning the last uh 200 years that's been a uh bestseller it's titled uh African American Poetry 250 Years of Struggle and Song so that's a new one I'm exploring I'm also exploring the poetry of Lucille Clifton, who was mm-hmm. the poet laureate for Maryland um, during her
3: writing career.
2: Now, I should ask: Do you come from a literary background? Uh, actually, I do. Uh, I, in my household, we were always reading books and newspapers and you know everything we could get our hands on history and so forth um my father was actually um the editor in chief the inaugural editor in chief of his junior high school newspaper uh that would be um uh And I'm losing the name of the school. (laughs) (laughs) Booker T. T. Washington Junior High School in Baltimore. But this was in the middle of the 40s when he did this. And I had no idea that he had done serious editing or writing until after he died. And I happened to uh, find in my mother's papers copies of those newspapers worn but I've digitized them so that's one aspect um, my grandparents were also uh, heavy readers we were always going to libraries or buying books mm. to read and um, so it's it's just been part of my life um, forever <laughs> all right please read the third in the set Okay. This third poem is not published yet, um, but I feel it is an important poem that I'm just dying to get out there, and I do want to read it now. It is called Inauguration Day 2021, America Exhaled. Throughout the day, the wind sighed. Ghosts of ancestors cried. As the guests and honorees gathered, as presidents passed, shook hands or patted shoulders, as senators and judges took their places, the wind sighed. A Greek chorus of collective anxiety and expectation. Songs were sung, pledges were made, oaths were sworn. A poet, hearts lifted. A benediction raised hope. The wind sighed, clearing the air. Pomp and ceremony on empty streets, marching bands and caravans of armored cars carried precious cargo, Joe and Kamala. And the wind sighed as drum and fife kept the beat of their slow but forward progress to their sacred destinations, the White House for Joe, the Eisenhower Building for Kamala. As doors opened and our new leaders stepped into their new roles, America exhaled and the wind fell silent. During the long march, a reporter shouted, Where are you going? kamala answered i'm walking to work two hours later kamala appeared in the senate chamber to swear in the new majority leader in two more hours joe appeared at the resolute desk a stack of executive orders ready to issue later still joe held a virtual swearing in for his staff his press secretary gave her first news briefing socially distance. All this they did in the first six hours of their first day in office. Still to come was celebration, a stellar concert by America's best entertainers. At the end of the night, America exhaled and soundly slept. Thank you. Oh, beautiful. Thank you so much (laughs) Do you sit
1: and think through Every word of every stanza Or do you write freely And allow the words to flow
2: I write freely And allow the words to flow Uh, There are times When an idea will Get Just nag at me Until I get it written down And the words just pour And there are other times When I do a little research while I'm writing because something, some aspect of the poem is a little beyond my <laughs> pay grade, and I mm-hmm. want to know that I'm using the terms correctly.
1: Oh, very important. I like that. Mm-hmm. Well, let's take a brief break, and we'll be right back.
2: All right. Mm-hmm. I joined a group of writers during this pandemic. So this first one is called A Poor Tithe from Corona. While waiting outside Walgreens, she dug into her right pocket and handed three quarters to the young man squatting with his attentive dog on leash so he would have a place to sleep that night. She did not mention that she had dug those quarters out of her first state's collection she had held on to for 20 years so she could buy herself a bottle of milk. Instead, she wished him well as a security guard shooed him away. Then, shaking her head, she walked back to her car, worried that the milk money would now deplete her bank account. Thank you. And another? All right. Um, this is another short one recently written called A Cold Winter's Day. Raindrops fall like single tears down the window pane, though they sound as they drop from the sky like ice pellets landing on roofs and ground. They fall like tears down the window pane, as though the sky mourns its loss of color on this gray January day.
0: Mm.
2: Your poems have mm.
0: amazingly
1: detailed titles. Yes. Golem <laughs> emit for mm-hmm. one. Uh, what role should a title play in a poem?
2: for me the the title is a window into the content of the poem, and it often will uh play the role of a link to the the main idea being expressed in the poem all right when we think about the main
1: idea and if we viewed it if it's we're making a cake. What goes mm-hmm. into the concoction that we call a poem? What makes up a, oh, co- a poem? <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right.
2: Well, first you have to I guess the eggs of the <laughs> of the poem okay. <laughs> would be the, the the central ingredient or message of the poem. And uh let's see. Uh you have to add some flavor to that poem so you might add <laughs> <laughs> you know, milk or nutmeg or sugar or something to
0: give it a bit of uh, flavor. <laughs> but then what then you, you call have to Put what all those ingredients nutmeg? together and you got to
2: bake it and don't overdo it <laughs>
0: or else it won't
2: work. <laughs> How do you know when it doesn't work? That's the question. Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, if If I sense something, if I feel like I haven't said what I meant to say or evoke the feeling that I meant to evoke, then it's going to get put aside and it will either get reworked or it'll just, go to the wayside okay okay you know i
1: should have asked you earlier mm-hmm. what was an early experience where you learned that poetic language had power oh my um
2: it goes really back to even even simple poems um even even nursery rhymes had a a message to them that um that spoke to me. But for real power I would have to say writers like um uh oh boy brain is going out on me. That's all right. Uh but um uh, some some of the poets of the '60s, uh, writers of okay. the '60s, and even Angela Davis and Nikki Giovanni, uh, people of of that circle, really helped me see power of words.
1: Mm. You know, prior to our being on the air, we had a brief conversation about the direction of your poetry today. Yeah. where are you he-
2: where are you headed with your poetry? uh i am definitely headed in the direction of of being a witness and a a speaker of truth um that's very much on my mind these days and there are but but in speaking truth there are so many uh lenses you can speak from um you can just be a witness or you can try to bring to bear the greater human meaning of that experience or event that you are writing about. Um, all, right. all right and I actually would like to um take a moment to say yes. that I I write I, I work with a second blog in addition to Baltimore Black Women. Um, I am a co-founder with writer Rafael Alvarez and uh, our friend Tyro Nelson of a poetry site that's called History of Poetry in Baltimore, 1945 to the present. And its website is called bracciolijournal.com, and I'm gonna spell it because it's an Italian
0: word. C R A
2: <laughs> C I O L E Journal dot com.
0: <laughs> and oh, wow. so tell we me more
2: explore...
1: about it. Pardon? I said tell me more about the, the, the blog.
2: Yes, I will. Um, we are um exploring Baltimore poets past and present who have really embodied Our City's Creativity. And Mm -hmm. uh, we currently have sections on Edgar Allan Poe uh, whom we honor with an annual poetry reading at his grave site in downtown Baltimore at Westminster Church. Um, We also have a section just beginning on Lucille Clifton who um, I began to study uh, within the past year. And part of the reason I began studying her was I I saw a story by her daughter, Sydney Clifton, that she was looking to uh, turn her family's childhood home in Baltimore into a creative center for writers. And so I took it upon myself to befriend her on Facebook, follow her, post, and uh, just uh, this past week I attended um, a tribute that uh, uh, Sydney Clifton and another woman, um, Amber Green, gave um, under the auspices of the Eastern Shore Writers Association. So I'm starting to to go in some very different directions from what I had uh, initially started to to work on. Um fewer of my poems, I would say, are personal stories anymore. I'm looking at the outer world and trying to just gather source and in and and main uh gift of those experiences.
1: <laughs> wow. Well, please share another poem. Please share another. All poem. right.
2: Let's see. Um this one I've been experimenting with ecrast excuse me, ekphrastic poems which are based on uh responses to Um, either great art or photographs or other forms of visual arts. And so um, I had, this poem came to me from a photo I took of a tree that I photographed over several seasons of the year. And I'm only going to share this first poem, which is called The Art of Trees. My father taught me the art of trees when I was young, always pointing out his favorites. In Druid Hill Park, there lay a giant tree trunk, gnarled and imposing for as long as he could remember. Each time we drove past it on our alternate route from west to northeast Baltimore, he would tell the same story, of climbing over, walking along its girth and length, memorizing its lines, knots, and holes formed by bugs and vermin living nearby. The vermin he feared most from the projects he grew up in. This I learned only as we watched the movie Ben, my father shrinking in his chair, whispered how rats would emerge squeaking from the walls at night, and he would hide under the thin covers. Thank you. (laughs) You know, they say that
1: to see the world with complete honesty, one should look to comedians, artists, Mm -hmm. and poets. Mm -hmm. What do you think emerges naturally from your work?
2: Hmm my i think the complexity of the world we live in emerges in my work
3: because quite often
2: um it'll start with one theme and then another one nudges its way in there and the entire poem takes a slightly different direction hmm. and you somehow please... it manages to to gel Yes, one complete story. Wow, very nice. Now, do you think that a person
1: can operate as a poet if they don't feel emotions very strongly?
2: Absolutely not. Okay, tell Um, me more. I think all poems come from the the emotional part of our beings. We have to feel deeply and and since I say it as sincerely but yes deeply and sincerely about whatever we're writing and that doesn't mean that you can't apply those feelings to something you have not yourself experienced but the root of it I believe is emotion and Taking that emotion into a place of understanding and knowledge and truth.
1: You know, sometimes emotions can be so draining, Jackie. Yes, they can, they be, can so draining. be.
2: They can be. And How should we channel those emotions in our work? Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But for me, I have found that writing in general has been... My way to grapple with emotion and to make sense out of it, mm. please share another poem, okay. uh, let's see now.. Mm-hmm. Here's another poetic poem I started dabbling in last year the uh, haiku and i find that it's not really my favorite but i came up with a few and these are all um under the banner of social injustice haikus first one is on policing policing may be as old as humanity but assumes the worst That's it. And it right. is based on <laughs> my
0: experiences
2: <laughs> living in Baltimore all my
1: life. <laughs> you know, that was one of my earlier questions. should have been one of my earlier
2: questions. Where do you hail from? Is it Baltimore? Yes, I am a native of Baltimore City, Maryland, and have lived in more than one neighborhood um I was born in West Baltimore and I still consider it home but mm-hmm. I technically my my family moved to Northeast Baltimore when I was 7 years old and I still live there now I wound up buying my own home in the neighborhood of Laurelville and it is uh, quite close to Morgan State University so um but i still claim west baltimore as my
0: own.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well how has being a native of baltimore influenced your poetry
2: oh my goodness well there's all the, you know all the history the uh yes. the war of 1812 and you know fort mchenry and uh being the the old line state where You know, good goodness. Even our uh, state song is is more an an homage to the Civil War and not the, you know, not the good side. (laughs) There was a lot of, you know, there's a lot of contention in 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 Maryland. Um, We are home of both slave and freed black men, and I find that. That's also part of my personal history that one side of my family can going back a couple hundred years were as far as we can tell freedmen and the other side of my family has a history of slavery and and uh it shows in us physically as well as other ways. So
1: Yes.
0: You know, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Can you share
2: another haiku? <laughs> I
0: certainly will. <laughs> this
2: next one is called One Tempers. Beware when tempers flare. You may light the wrong fuse. Set yourself aflame. Very
0: wise. Very wise. Yes.
2: And I was giving myself my own advice on that. Do you have another oh Do you have another? Yes, I have one more. This one is called okay. Suspense. And um Our friend Lynn Vitti actually featured this one on her her writing blog, so I'm happy to share it here. Suspense. Will the other shoe please drop? I can't hold my breath another minute.
0: (laughs) That's it.
2: So I find that the haikus are very interesting, but um, I I I don't think it will be my main, <laughs> my main form of poetry because
3: Why I always that? have too Why much to that? say.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: well, one thing about your work, I will say that it is very real. Thank it's you. tangible. You can Thank feel it. You. Whether it's haiku or a, a, another type of poem, is you can mm-hmm. it's, it's visceral. It's very visceral. Yeah. Yeah. Very visceral. Very visceral. Yeah. Wow, very nice, yeah. Jackie.
0: Do you have Thank another you poem for us? No, I have
1: a question, I have a question, I have a question. I am yeah. so excited that you're here. You have to bear with me. All right. I'm all over the place. All, yeah. right, here we <laughs> all poets all poets Mm-hmm. Have several words that come up over and over and over again. Words or sentences that they just can't help but use in their work. What are three of your absolute favorite words to use? Oh my goodness! <laughs> no, those aren't the
0: ones. <laughs> but um,
2: there there are words that keep coming up, and and I believe that, um, well, the the. Drops, raindrops that oh, yeah. either feel like tears, or I get a sense of they're falling and misting, and so so rainy weather is a <laughs> it comes up a lot. Rain comes okay. up a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see now. Boy, that one got me. I would say that <laughs> words relating to to family come up a lot in in my work um and I and I the 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 love of family the uh The dignity of family, the mm. unity of family comes up a lot in my work. And maybe not in those exact words, but those are definitely the the feelings that come across.
1: Alright, very nice.
2: Please share another poll. Okay. Let's see. I'm scrolling. <laughs> You're doing a great job, Jackie. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Well, this is this is a strange one. Um, this is this is the acrostic poem, and I had actually accidentally explored with acrostic poems uh, a few years ago, but I did them as. A uh, single word poem. So I would I would write an acrostic about the word war, and they weren't so great. Those are the ones that I put aside. But this one uh, is a is a coronavirus poem, and it's called Olivia's Cure for Insomnia. So that title.
1: Another title. Start wow. the
2: lines of each. Uh, starts each line of the poem Okay Okay Olivia lies down on her side Switching from left to right Arms cradling head Inhales deeply from her diaphragm Exhale softly through pursed lips Visualizes inner space behind closed eyelids Darkness overtaking her wandering the depths of night, arms and legs stretching, opening clenched fists, neck muscles loosening, heartbeat slowing, eyes roaming the scape of crevices inside the dark estuaries of her soul, curls up in position fetal, umbilical cord-seeking, seeking respite, enduring from another day of the reckoning life, imploring Nyx, goddess of the night, for the sweet oblivion of sleep. Mantra of soldiers repeated, sleep, 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 while now exhaling and inhaling, ah, sleep. And in reading that, I realized that inhaling and exhaling are also used quite often in my work. Oh,
0: really? <laughs> As in
2: <is> sleep. <laughs> Tell me about the concept
1: of sleep. What about that has been made into your work?
2: Well, sleep, I, I have had uh, many, many insomniac nights okay. uh, over the course of this past year, Um you know, worrying about everything. I've all—I've yes. actually always had bouts of insomnia, but they seem to have uh, come up in my work over this past year. I actually wrote a, a poem called "Vampire Hours," and I don't think I'm going to read that with me. <laughs> <laughs> Well we need all my friends. So if, if I'm in vampire, Eric, I'm having one terrible night and unable to sleep at all. Okay.
1: We <laughs> <laughs> you know writers and poets write for a myriad of reasons. Mhm. Some write primarily to speak a message to their audience.
0: Mm-hmm. Others
1: write because to stay silent is not an option. Why do you write?
2: I think it's a combination of both those reasons. Um I definitely cannot stay silent anymore. And I think mm. that's what is informing my most recent works. But I also I do have a message for or messages for my audience. Um and and they are the uh, the range of experience um and emotions that that grab me, that I want other people to understand and and feel.
1: All right, you know some poets also claim that a poem is like a living creature. Mm-hmm. Once it's out there, there's not much else you can do to correct or improve it. While others edit meticulously, not leaving much from the original draft form. <laughs> what is your take? Yes,
2: on yes. Well, um, in the beginning, whatever. I wrote and felt comfortable with at the end of the writing. That was the poem, and I would not think of editing it or rewriting it. Um, But because I have become a part of several poet communities, my view on that has changed. And so there are works that I would not only entertain rewriting, but between the time I wrote it and submitted it, I may have changed some lines now, or you know, uh, removed some some section. So it's 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 a it's a learning, growing process to be a
1: yes, poet. Yes, it is.
2: Yes, it is. Let's
1: take a brief break, and we'll be right back. Okay. We are back. The call-in number, if you'd like to speak with Jackie, is 646-787-1631. You know, Jackie, I sense an urgency in your work. There's an urgency for something. Yes, absolutely. A yearning and urgency. And so much has happened, it's happening in the world, and we've already talked about it, but there's so much Mm -hmm. going on. Yeah. What do you see as the role of a poet in modern-day society?
2: I think that today's poets are called to to speak to our experience because this world is changing so rapidly and um, nonsensically that we're uh, many of us are just striving to to f- find that piece of truth and reality in the midst of it all and preserve it and make it matter for other people. Mm. Please share another poem. Okay. Uh this one is the first uh letter in quarantine poem that I wrote and that was a group I joined at the beginning of of the uh covid problem last year. <clears throat> To My Future Self Never forget your first language Which is music Before words called out to you Music fed your infant soul Even your mother knew this She recalled how you wriggled To the sound of Flight of the Bumblebee Though you were hearing it As the theme song of the Green Hornet playing on the television in the living room of the tiny apartment where your first five years in this world were spent. Words soon competed for your heart, and for many years you balanced your need for both music and the word until you disbelieved God's first gift to you and stopped making music. Never forget what you don't. Use, you lose. Play that piano, that flute, that guitar, your voice, with the urgency you felt as a child when every free moment was spent mastering what you heard. Thank wow. you.
1: We have a caller, Justy. We have a caller. Oh, wonderful. Oh, I need <laughs> to bring this person <laughs> on. Erico seven eight one, you're on the air.
3: Well, hello, Jackie Oldham. This is um, one of your um, poet friends from a distance, and I was Lynn, and I was calling (laughs) to see if you would read um, a family poem. You have a lot of poems about people in your family
0: um, that you've
3: put on your blog. So many of them, and I was Mm -hmm. just hoping that you would read just one of them tonight.
2: Oh my,
3: well. I will (laughs) see if I can pull one up quickly. (laughs) Very nice.
1: How are you, Lynn?
3: I'm well, thank you. I'm well. Great. Just uh, hanging out, waiting for that vaccine to come. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, me too. You know, it's the curse of being a baby boomer. You know, our, our schools were overcrowded. We had to fight each other to get into community college or college um, you know we we when it came time to buy a house you know we had to, everyone was fighting us to get house loans
0: um mm-hmm. now we
3: have to now we have to like fight to get a vaccine there are just too many of us yeah All right.
0: are <laughs> survivors all right.
1: All, right.
0: all right yeah very nice very nice very nice did you find Thank a bomb, you then <laughs>
2: All right. Are we still there?
1: Yes, we're still here. Yes.
2: Oh good. Okay. Um so <laughs> I'm I'm this um I do write a lot of family poems and this one is near and dear to my heart because um it is in honor of one of my aunts. Uh, my mother's sister, one of my mother's sisters, and it turned out that she loved this poem. I sent it to her, and she she liked it a lot, so here it is. And I hope it's not too long. Bent, but not broken. On the wide mantle of her living room fireplace rested a row of funny, loving, and even musical cards to celebrate her 83rd birthday. On her sunny dining room table sat three stunning vases filled with carnations and roses, purple and pink, roses red, and lilies white to honor her. A beacon of light, a giver of love, a woman of grit and grace to all who know her. She's the third of three siblings, girl, boy, girl, born in the 1930s with a surprise fourth sibling, another girl, born in 1948, to a pair of working-class parents with middle-class dreams. She and her older brother grabbed the mantle of those dreams, sailing through the segregated schools of Baltimore, through college, and into married life with partners of their ilk. Her brother, a post-college military man, introduced her to her future husband, with whom he'd attended officer training school. She, a history major, began a career as a social worker, spreading compassion and knowledge to all she encountered, black or white, clients and coworkers alike, in a voice always calm, always measured, always strong. When the children came along, she and her husband taught them well in a tasteful and loving suburban home. And when the children took flight, she returned to school, earning a master's and resuming her career. Her children's successes and failures, her own and her husband's illnesses, she bore without pity. They were simply side roads on their journey through life. A life filled with family trips across the country and in the golden years, traveling the globe with her perfect mate until he died, buried with honors in Arlington Cemetery. This loss, too, she bore without pity, but with an ocean of tears, most of them shed in private. Months later, her daughter survived a serious crash on a country road only to be diagnosed with renal cancer. Her son, once lost to addiction, had recovered in time to serve proudly as man of the family. Now she sat at the dining table, surrounded by her surviving family, who love her most. Her youngest sister, her daughter and son, her oldest niece, her youngest nephew. She beamed, smiling, Head curiously bent forward toward her chest by wry neck toward a collis of recent onset and gave thanks in a voice no longer strong and sure, but the quavering voice of an elderly lady.
3: Thank you. That's wonderful. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Lynn. Yes, it's beautiful. It's it's really Beautiful. Good. Beautiful. Jackie, we're almost on the verge of closing out here in a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. What?
2: Do you have one more poem that you'd like to share? Uh, actually, no. Let us let us talk <laughs> our way out of <laughs> Okay. <sure. laughs>
0: So,
2: honestly, I want to say a word about my family, about whom I write so much, because to me they are absolutely amazing with all that they have gone through. And uh, another of my poems um, is about my great-grandfather, who was born in 1886 and lived until 1971. And as it so happens... My aunt, who I just honored in this poem, got married on his birthday. So her anniversary was his birthday. He was, (laughs) you know, I mean, just to to know what black people in particular have gone through to
0: survive
2: all the hatred and the pain and everything else but they have done so with incredible dignity and personhood Mm -hmm. and love beyond measure, beyond measure. And that is the source of me and what I bring to my writing. And it's why... I started my blog and continue to write in various formats. You're an excellent guest, Jackie. Excellent guest. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. Excellent Thank guest.
1: You. What is next for you creatively? Is there a book in the future?
2: Well, actually there is a book in the future. Well there's one that I have have submitted um for publication to a writing contest, and this book is a hybrid book of poetry, essays, and photographs about my um, relationship with my mother, Um, and it goes way back in time to the beginning, me wondering, what she was going through when she had me, I'm her firstborn, and I was premature, um, mm-hmm. and then, you know with with her having to be a working mom and us coming together in her last five years, we I spent as her caretaker, and it was the best five years of yes. my entire life.
1: Wow, it's incredible. Well, I'd like to thank you again for sharing your beautiful work with us tonight. Uh, it was uplifting. It was real, authentic. It was the truth. Um, I wish you nothing but the best, Jackie.
2: Nothing thank but the best. Thank you so much, and I thank you for having me this evening. All right. Well, until our listening audience,
1: take care of yourselves and let poetry ring. Good night, everybody. You have just listened to the Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio Podcast with your host, Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. And make sure to catch our next episode.